Welcome to Talk to the Experts. Wayne Nelson with you today, and I'm pleased once again to welcome back to the show Sherry McMillan, head of McMillan Estate Planning. And like the past few shows, Sherry is joining me on the phone from London, England. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank you. We've got lots to talk about, as usual, but before we do, I want to let our listeners know that the McMillan team will be hosting virtual seminars on Wednesday, August 12th, and again on Wednesday, August 26th, both days at 6.30 p.m., to talk with you about estate or life planning. You'll need to register ahead of time if you'd like to attend one of these complimentary seminars, and to do that, you can call McMillan Estate Planning at one 833 266 6464. That's 1-833-266-6464. Or you can register online at macmillanestate.com. That's Macmillan spelled M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. Sherry, the impact of COVID-19 has been historic, if I could use that word. Financially, the federal deficit is now forecast to balloon to $343 billion. That's the deficit, mostly because of massive COVID-related economic aid and stimulus plans. And that's in stark contrast to that mere $28 billion that was projected in the December fiscal update. The debt rocketing to $1.2 trillion. I didn't think I'd ever see the day as a Canadian when we'd see a trillion uh, attached to our debt numbers. The debt-to-GDP ratio soaring from 30.9% last December to an expected 49.1% this fiscal year. Global markets, including the TSX, slowly recovering, although I'd say with nervous optimism. And with summer now in full swing here in Alberta, it really shouldn't come as too much of a surprise to learn that with increased testing, there's been a bit of an uptick in the number of people testing positive for COVID. The concern, though, is that many of these cases are among younger people, and that has sparked renewed or continued cries to observe social distancing over fears of a second wave. Sherry, summer usually means vacation time, time to get together with friends or family in the great outdoors or at the family cottage or cabin, as we call it out here in the West. But keeping that cabin in the family, as it were, can be a bit of a challenge. So let's discuss some of those potential issues, if we could. Well, I think um, you've highlighted a lot of the concerns that we're all considering right now with the circumstances we've just come out of and continue to be part of. And so, you know, obviously, Wayne, the question that we're consistently asked uh, at the moment is, how do we forecast or project that this bill will be paid and who's going to pay it? And so I don't think it's a secret that us as the taxpaying community at large is going to have to weather some of these um, costs in the years to come and in the generations to come. And so one of the areas that um, looks quite easy for the government to adapt and you know change would be what is called the capital gains tax. And capital gains tax is a tax on assets that have appreciation. And so one of those assets um, isn't a secret is the family cottage. And like you say, out west we call it the, the, the cabin, but out east they often call it the cottage. And for many of our snowbirds, they call it a house sometimes down south. <laughs> so we all have these varying properties that we enjoy as our second properties, and they do provide us the lifestyle we're looking for in retirement. And one of the other things I share is they also provide a great deal of memories. And so a lot of people are very sentimental and highly attached to these types of assets. And I would say 
that if there is an asset in an estate that's uh, emotional, it is definitely the family cottage. So giving contemplation to this, it's a good time to start to think as we go out to our cottages and rejoin our family units, um, is how do we endeavor to protect our cottage? So protection, Sherry, as in keeping within the family unit, making sure that that cabin or that cottage is going to be with the next generation, perhaps, if, if that's what the desire is. That's right, Wayne. And so one of the things that uh, you know that we are uh, driven by is that we keep harmony in a family. And family cottage is one of those particular assets that can cause um, conflict. And, And the reason for it is it's an emotional asset. People create memories there. They link it to their relationships with one another and their parents and grandparents. And so what we want to be very cognizant of is when we do design the estate plan is that we are putting in protections to keep that asset in the family unit because, sadly, um, in the community at large, the divorce rate is 50%. So you don't want your cottage that you've you know, maybe even built with your spouse that you're leaving to your children uh, div- divided in a divorce situation. And... You know, unfortunately, without proactive planning, these are the kinds of situations that some families are finding themselves in because of the divorce rate being 50%. And so one of the things that we always share with families is it's not a secret, but ultimately we want to make sure that the cottage has a fence around it or um, an estate planning technique called a trust. And what that does, Wayne, is it makes sure that the asset base remains in the bloodline family unit. What if the home is only in one person's name? Only one person is on is on title. It, there's a perception that that's enough. Yeah, and we see this, Wayne. There's a number of techniques out there that I want to demystify that don't work. They're myths that they work. So one of them is just put the cottage in um, your child's name solely and not their spouse. Well, the problem is if they have a common law relationship or um, an actual marriage, there's dower rights that govern that asset as it continues to grow in that child's hands. And so all of a sudden, as the parent group, if your child experienced a divorce, for example, you might be buying out your outlaw, is what we call it in the office, the person divorcing your child. And so, you know, this is really dangerous if this is the cottage that you want to, you know, build your memories in and have as a family recreational property. So what we um, suggest for families is that they don't own um, it directly in that way. And the other thing that we see sometimes that is a bit of a hiccup is that we see parents adding their children to their land title. And one of the issues with that is your children are only entitled to one primary home and you start adding people to land titles and you're complicating it with a CRA. And we don't want you to forego or your children to forego your capital gain exemption on your primary home, um, you know, just to avoid the probate on that property. So an alternative option that we highly recommend instead is a trust to hold the family cottage. And the reason we do is multiple purposes. So the first one is if any family member divorces, then the cottage is never at risk. And so that's fundamentally important. Because it stays within the trust. That's right. Because when, when we own an asset directly, it's exposed to all our personal risk. And a personal risk could mean divorce, but it could also mean any kind of lawsuit we face, um, 
you know, and I've also seen this very, very sadly in my career pathway where parents have put children on a property or assets and the child predeceases the parent. And that leaves the parent in a very tough situation because that asset base is moving to their spouse or children and yet it was meant to be there for their retirement. So I don't recommend we do that in modern times. Alternatively, I recommend that we hold it in a trust and that way everybody can take advantage of their own primary home exemption and have one primary home that goes tax-free, but the asset of the cottage can be protected by the trust or the fence around it, and so everybody can have the use of it, but all these extra risks, such as divorce, lawsuits, or a premature passing, will have zero impact on the family unit, and that cottage will remain whole and utilized by the family appropriately. Are there different definitions throughout Canada on what constitutes that that second home, that cottage, that cabin, wherever it may be? Yes, and so that's the tricky part is as uh, as a country, Canada has obviously a federal law, but we also have provincial law and governance. And so some provinces have different legislation than others. So, for example, in Ontario, um, recreational property can be and would be considered a matrimonial home for the purposes of divorce. So unlike Alberta, where it could be considered a recreational property in Ontario, if that's where the children reside and go through a divorce, we have a completely different set of legislation. In BC, as another example, you're not allowed in law, in a will, to disequally gift a cottage to children. So let's say you have one child that put a ton of sweat equity into a cottage, you're not allowed to give them a higher ratio of that cottage. And so you can see how every single province has these, I call them the red herrings in the estate, and you really do need to know the legislation and how it's going to impact that asset base. Now the wonderful part about a trust is it it supersedes all of these rules and complications. All right, and we will talk more about trusts and protecting that family estate. When we come back, we're going to pause right here, Sherry. The McMillan team will be talking about uh, trusts and protecting the estate and other aspects of financial planning and uh, protecting your assets when they host virtual seminars Wednesday, August 12th, and again Wednesday, August 26th at 6.30 p.m. To register for these very informative seminars, contact McMillan Estate Planning, one 833 266-6464 during weekday office hours, or you can visit their website for more information at mcmillanestate.com. Sherry McMillan is my guest today, and we'll continue in a moment on Talk to the Experts.